Thanks for tuning in to the Glossy Podcast. I'm your host, Jill Manoff, and today I sit down with Emma McFerrin, a longtime executive at List who took on the CEO role in September. The fashion search engine and shopping app announced a, quote, pre-IPO funding round last year, and internal changes, including Emma's promotion, speak to the company's growth ambition. I wanted to ask Emma about the company's direction under her leadership and, of course, inquire about the latest list index. What do the rise of Birkenstock Boston say about fashion consumers' current behavior? Welcome, Emma. Hi, Jill. So great to be here. Thanks so much for being here. Congrats. Newly promoted. (laughs) Yes. Tell me about your trajectory within the company. You've been there for a while. Yes. So I've been here for nearly nine years. So in a startup that's, you know, more than nine years, maybe it's like dog years. It's a long time. I joined when we were very small, uh, 20 people in an office here in London. um, And I've seen tremendous growth. Um, My journey in that time, I was a corporate lawyer before I started uh, in the startup world. Um, And I came in as our sole counsel and head of operations. And in that time, I've worn many hats. And most recently, our COO role, um, where I was responsible for delivery um, of all of our company missions and plans. I worked very closely with our founder, Chris, um, over all of that time, especially in the last couple of years. Um, And then took on the role as CEO officially a few weeks ago. Amazing. Well, what attracted you to List in the first place? The the business model, the concept, what was sexy to you? Yeah, it's a great question. So um, I was working in it for a legal tech startup. So I love startup world, right? I love being part of a business that's growing where you can have a huge impact as an individual. Um, but I, I was quite um, eager to move away from the law. And I got introduced to the founder of List, uh, Chris, and I really bought into his vision uh, for what we could do for our fashion shoppers online. Um, so as a fashion shopper myself, you know, and, and back in 2014, and it was, I wouldn't say nascent, but maybe the early days of, of online fashion, um, I could see the problems that List was trying to solve. So I think you'll remember, you know, you wanted to buy a new coat, say, for the autumn, and you might have like 25 tabs open, be flipping between them, trying to trying to decide what you were going to do. And this very strong vision from a very strong founder around using technology and a love of fashion to build sort of one place where you could go and do all your all your shopping in one one spot. That really resonated with me, and I was really excited to join that team. Amazing. Well, talk about List business model and concept for those who don't know it well. Um, it's a place to shop. What are the brands that shoppers find? Uh, why are they shopping you versus another? I don't know whether it's a marketplace or a um, a search a search engine of a different kind. Yeah. Yeah. So um, we're essentially a, a fashion shopping app. You know, premium leaning. We are very big. We have huge scale that we've built over the last 10 years. So I think we had 200 million shoppers in the last year. We have the largest assortment of premium and luxury fashion online in one place. So over 8 million products. We partner with 24,000 designers. So we don't hold any stock. We just work with these partners. Um, And what makes us different is that we really obsessively focus on the customer experience and being able to navigate all of the things in one place. Um, 
And so when you talk about what brands could people find, there's such a range. We have Italian luxury brands, Italian French luxury mono brands. We have multi-brand retailers, you know, like Nordstrom's on the platform, Essence is on the platform. We have boutiques um, and then we have, you know, some more mass consumer brands as well. And what we say is that we know that everybody, uh, you know, everybody who loves fashion, they might have varied tastes, but we can help them discover and explore it in one place on our app. Yes. Well, tell me about that brand relationship. Like this is mutual. I guess you come together. They want to actively be on list. Um, how do you guys make money? Is it about um, a commission? What's the relationship there? Yeah, that's right. So the model is a commission-based model, which means that, you know, if if our partners win, we win. So we really do see it as a partnership. You know, if, if we can create a sale for that partner, then that's great for us. And it's great for our customer. Um, our partners, um, we have worked with many of them for a really long time. So these are deep, strong human partnerships, but at scale. Um, so we we really care about building those relationships deeply um, and really trying to understand how those partners what they what they want from us as a as a place to drive them new customers um, and to drive them volume and how we can help them on their missions and their journeys. Yeah. Well, tell me about that app um, versus shopping, you know, on desktop. How important is it for or what are you finding in terms of who's using your app, the adoption of that, uh, taking that next step and going there, throwing it on your phone? (laughs) Yeah. So the app's been a huge area of like growth for us over the last couple of years. And I think over the last few years, maybe 20 million people have downloaded our apps as a huge array of different types of people who are who are shopping with us are I'd say that our power users come back to list I mean some people have called it their secret weapon for navigating the chaos so what they will do is they will you know sign up for alerts in app for brands they love when things go on sale we can send them a notification if they're looking for something really specific say I don't know there's a Xenia sweatshirt they've seen that they've fallen for they can see in one place, like where is it being sold from, at what price, how's what are the shipping terms. Um, and a, a lot of people come to us just for, for the uniqueness of that offering that we have. Yes. Well, what can you tell me about, I would say, the importance of that direct connection? I know that even on desktop, there's an opportunity to sign up. Um, and I'm assuming, you know, when you sign up, you you get to know list gets to know you and your preferences um the more <laughs> you're serving up the right thing the more we'll be coming back who's shopping is is it like a majority of those shopping on list are, are they i guess do you call them members you call them users yeah so uh, our members are our sort of most of powerful cohort so you're right if you download the app or if you sign up on the web or you check out through our native checkout, you become a member on list. That does mean we get to understand your preferences. So we'll ask you on onboarding, like which brands do you love? Who do you, what do you like to shop? What sort of price point are you looking at? And then we'll learn from how you use, um, use the app or use the site. And then we will, you know, our recommendations because we use data and technology to drive recommendations, which are personal to you. And the more we learn about you, as you say, the better the offering becomes. 
Yeah, I would think that would be so valuable. Tell me about the experience during the pandemic, what you've experienced in the last three years um, in terms of having those estab- that established customer base as, as everything online became so competitive. Yeah, the pandemic was a really interesting time for us. And I think like a lot of a lot of retailers, you know, will, will, have, will have seen this too, that there was obviously a moment where people didn't know what this meant. Um, and that was scary for everybody. But then we saw, you know, adoption to online grew quickly. Um, and we saw more and more users come to use list. And also we saw the trends change. Uh, and we adapted to that, right? So, you know, uh, luggage and party heels were out <laughs> during the <laughs> pandemic, but loungewear, you know, ca- cashmere sweats, etc., um, were on the rise. And we were able to adapt quite quickly to that change in trends to make sure that our customers still got to find the things that they wanted, even if that was different to what it might have been, you know, the year before. Yes. Well, tell me about, I guess, what your new position, your growth within the company, what that signals to to those within the company, maybe those with outside of the company. Um, like we hear a lot when a, a founder, maybe somebody who's known as a, an entrepreneur, maybe that's more scrappy, um, will maybe step down to like as a company grows up and you pass the torch to somebody who is more maybe business minded or I don't know how you would even describe it. I think that you're both you both sound scrappy and business minded. So tell me about what happened there. Yeah. So I think the like first thing to call out about this change was that I've been in for so long and I've worked so closely with Chris, our founder, for such a long time that there were certain things we shared, you know, so the vision for the business, the love of our culture and our team, you know, the strength that we saw in our partners, where we wanted to go on this journey. We shared a lot of those things and we probably co-shaped them, you know, with each other over time. But I think we got to a stage where, you know, I we wanted to evolve into a place where we could do um, the things that like played most to our strengths. And, you know, I I have a like an operational DNA and background um, and I really love building talent and running our incredible team. And as we were getting bigger, you know, that was somewhere where I was you know, really thriving and wanted to kind of push forward. Um, and, you know, he was amazing and, and continues to be amazing at you know, telling the story and, um, you know, raising money. And so we, we, we divided and conquered and then we evolved into this place where it sort of became obvious that this was the next step. So I would step into this role. Yeah, wasn't jarring. We knew it was coming. Yeah, <laughs> at least internally. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's that's right. It was really nice um, not to see people see see people surprised when nice. we shared that news. Yes. Well, tell me about, okay, let's circle back. This is a huge company, as you mentioned. I know back in May 2021, um, that was your last round of funding. 85 million, you were at value. The valuation was 700 million. Um, And at the time, um, List was saying pre-IPO. Like, is that, was that always kind of a direction for the company? Was that well known that you had planned to go there? Has anything changed, I guess, in terms of those plans? So I think, you know, our level of ambition has always been to be this destination where it is obvious that if you're shopping for fashion online, you come to list and you open uh, the app um, or you look on your desktop. And to do that at scale um, 
and to solve those problems for our fashion shoppers at scale, those ambitions, you know, have never changed. I think, yeah, so I think, and I think where we go next, I think like that's going to depend, as you know, like it, we face challenging times in the market. So I don't think there are a lot of IPOs happening at the moment. And so what we are relentlessly focused on is continuing to deliver that mission um, and realize all of those things for the customer we want to do well. Um, and then we can decide what that means for the for the trajectory of the company. So who is your shopper? Who who has your app? Is it a, a, a certain demo? It's guys, girls, old, young. How would you describe them? One of the challenges with having 200 million people use it is that <laughs> there are various groups and archetypes. But there are lots of different types of people. But what we see from a sort of behavioral perspective um, there are some power shoppers that really know what they love and the brands and what they're after. And they use us as this sort of secret weapon. Like this is going to help us track down what it is that we're looking for. Some people, and I, I d- really don't like to generalize, but like I know one, one man <laughs> that I'm close to uh, who uses it with a very clear, like shops from three places, knows exactly what he wants, uh, knows how frequently he wants to do it. And this is a very quick way to find the things that he's looking for. Um, we might have a we might have a, a sustainable shopper where we can help through our sort of, we have edits that show which brands are sustainable, where they can find, you know, the, that collection of things that works for them. So we have these sort of groupings, but it's going to vary by you know, what they're after and also where they are, you know, in the world. Yes. Oh, talk about that, that guy that wants to shop. He knows what he wants. He wants it quick. Like, is that checkout process and the seamlessness of it all and maybe fast delivery? Like, like what are the um, features that you're offering to really accommodate him? So I think, you know, our, our, our in-app search is really strong and our in-app checkout, which we are growing, is really strong. So just so people can understand, historically, um, you would click on the item that you wanted and then you would your item would be fulfilled, your order would be fulfilled by one of our partners. But we're continuing to grow our own checkout on list, which is a little bit like taking the till of that partner and putting it in our app. So it's quicker for the customer to purchase, but it, it means that the partner still gets, you know, to understand and know that customer. So for that, that man, you know, what they will do is they'll say, you know, um, I want this polo shirt from Ralph Lauren. They will filter quickly by size and then they will see in one place on one, um, you know, one, one sort of set of piece of the product, they will see uh, that polo shirt and listed literally where they can get it, how quickly, what price, and then they can check out immediately on the app. Um, so super speedy for them. Well, tell me, I know like you're at the office. You've got your, I guess, head of communications. Anyway, someone's beside you. Is everyone at the office? Who? And P.S. I just like, who, who makes up the company? I would think that there are a lot of uh, data scientists involved. There are a lot of uh, marketers involved. Um, yeah. Who are we working with here? Yeah. Yeah. Let me tell you about our, our wonderful team. So I'd say we're about two-thirds product and engineering people so data scientists software engineers and and the, and the folks that, that that drive that those activities and then we're about a third of uh, commercial people who tend to have a very strong fashion dna so i think we have a a really like eclectic and brilliant blend of people with these different amazing skill sets so we feel like a lovely marriage of 
um, fashion and technology company together. Um, Office-wise, most people are in about three days a week. It's been really wonderful to come back, you know, and to feel the energy and to look people in the eye and to solve problems live together. But we also accept that, you know, the pandemic has given us all of these like, wins in how we work from a personal perspective. That means that some time at home um, is great. And I think we are navigating that balance, you know, pretty well. Uh, it's certainly working for us at the moment. We'll be right back after this quick break. Well, there are definitely new challenges, new expectations um, within the workplace um, that we're all we all know of and are experiencing. Um, I guess any updates in terms of um, company culture and what you want to bring there um, as the new CEO? Yeah, thank you for asking that. I mean, company culture is one of my greatest passions, and it has been something that I've driven with a lot of energy over the last uh, eight years. Um, I'm really proud of what we've built in our culture, but we sort of are aware internally that like that has come from not always getting it right. Uh, so I think like back in, you know, maybe five years ago or something, we grew the organization really quickly. Um, and when you have a small number of people sitting in one or two rooms together and you're talking all the time and you know what you are trying to achieve, it's really easy to have a shared sense of ways of doing things and, and to be clear when you're sharing, you know, shared sense of values. When you scale really fast and you don't codify what those shared values are, that, um, that can cause challenges. And it can mean that people come into the organization with different ways of approaching things. None of them are right or wrong, but if they're not aligned, um, it's going to be tricky. And we saw that, you know, uh, five years ago or so. So then we worked really hard on calling out what um, really matters to us, what we want to celebrate and reward and recognize. And we worked really hard to put a strong culture together based on you know, humility. We are, we are a group of humble people. I, I worked as a lawyer before I said where people were brilliant, but I didn't always feel that they were humble. Um, we worked <laughs> hard to build trust. Um, and that's tough, right? I'm not talking, make it really lovely for everybody all of the time. I'm saying like, can we create situations where we can disagree? We can air healthy tension. We can get behind a decision, even if it wasn't what everybody in the room wanted to do. And then, you know, um, joyfully pursue it. Uh, so we, we've built a strong culture, but, you know, you build a great culture in the good times so that you can weather the moments that are challenging. And we certainly saw that in the pandemic. Uh, you know, our, our culture did us justice because suddenly, you know, we have a very um, diverse workforce and people from all over the world, and maybe they were in London but not near their families. We had people at home who felt that their work list was their constant and that kept them going. And it meant that we were able to build, you know, some amazing things. And I think, you know, in the next two years or so, it's, it's volatile out there economically. Yes. You know, I don't know what we, none of us knows exactly, and we can talk in a minute what we think, but none of us knows exactly what's going to happen or what consumers are going to do. 
Um, so I think we're in for another period of, of challenge and great opportunity. Um, so continuing to work on our strong culture is going to help us sort of lean in in those moments. For sure. We're definitely all bracing ourselves, I would say, and even your brand partners. And I would think that, I mean, do you think that some of them in some ways, I mean, did you see more brands wanting to sell via list or wanting to partner up um, as, you know, times are tough, like get your, I guess brands are being less precious about their sales channels or where they're selling. Did you find that um, in the last three years? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we just because we've been doing this um, for so long in the fashion space and we have a great strength in our digital marketing um, and because we have this model where you know if we if customers win and we win we're a very effective channel for our partners and you know being able to show them that you know you know being able to paint a picture for them of how we can we can be an effective and maybe affordable channel for them and really work together with them to say, you know, what is it you're trying to achieve and how can we help you? We definitely saw that we were able to help a number of our partners succeed um, in the pandemic. And I think we're starting to feel it a little bit now where those marketing budgets are coming under scrutiny. You know, they should be. Everybody wants to be cautious about uh, every dollar that they spend. And again, we are having those conversations, which even though we do it at scale, I always like to say we try and do it on a human level where we try really try to listen and say, how can we help you succeed? For sure. Let's talk about that um, that marketing spend. And like, like you talked about, you talked about really, I guess, scaling fast. You know, we've been talking with so many brands and retailers lately about that um, reprioritization of profitability versus scaling. And, um, you know, I would think for a company like List, where you know a lot, you're selling a lot of the same things as other sites. Maybe winning on marketing when it comes to acquiring new users. Tell me about that balance. I guess I would say of of profitability um, versus like spending on marketing. Like, what are you prioritizing yeah. there? Yeah, I mean, for us, it has always been and will continue to be the absolute priority that like. We serve our customers really well and that they want to come back to us. And that, you know, that is the magic about, you know, driving profitable growth is that you have these really loyal users that love your product and want to keep back and keep coming back to list to, to shop. So that that is um, that's our focus. Um, I do think that most businesses will need to move the dial more towards profiting at profit profitability uh, and away from you know it just being about growth at all costs um, but I think you know if you have a strong business model that really keeps coming back to are we building something that creates customer value and is that the core of the engine that we have you know then you should be able to navigate you know these these moments and this time well. I would think that probably a uh, list is served well by a Google search for a product. And maybe that's a great way to acquire customers. But um, as you're seeing it, what marketing spend, marketing tactics are working to acquire customers? Yeah. yeah. So what, what's been really um, exciting about our evolution over the last couple of years, we've really grown our app and we've really built this member experience that gets our fashion shoppers to come back again and again. One of our super strengths is that we are really good at acquiring customers through Google, but what we are able to do is to um, 
have them download the app when they come through and then experience the full value proposition um, on the app. So we do we do use Google, but we do it in a way that helps us grow our members and those registered users who we know we can provide the best experience to. Oh my gosh, are notifications really like working wonders to your advantage? I recently signed up <laughs> for some apps where I'm getting like price drop notifications and I I, I pay attention, I'll tell you that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but notifications are great. I agree with you. I think price drop is the best, right? So you've looked at something, maybe you've added it to your wish list and then you don't have to go back in and check yourself. This will tell you, you know, it's gone on sale or you can find it from this other retailer if it was out of stock or maybe it's come back in stock. And that is that is definitely a unique uh, a unique feature to list that our customers really do love. Nice. So I was going to give you an example. I was looking for some Saint trainers um, and they are, uh, I have been properly reeled in and <laughs> tempted to go back and, and buy them on sale this week. You should. <laughs> yeah, I should. I should do it. <laughs> so let's talk about lit the list index because I mean, as a fashion fan, I so am into it, <laughs> and I know it has to drive great media. I guess media impact value or, or whatever that term is, um, because I see publications referring to it left and right, from high snobiety to I don't know in style or something more traditional. But um, tell me about the importance of it, the work that goes into it. Um, it's it's a hit. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, we, we, we're, we're really proud of it. And um, it's an interesting story of how we built it. I mean, it's five years old now um, and it has it has sort of grown organically, which is a great sign that the people in the industry love it for the value that it provides. And for those who don't know the list index, it is quarterly, correct? And it runs down with the um, most popular brands based on your search and also the most popular products, which is oh so fun. And there are always some good surprises there. But anyway, continue on. Yeah, yeah, yeah ex exactly. So it comes out every quarter um, and it really um, came from us being, you know, uniquely placed by having... Um, all of these customers having these amazing wide ranging relationships with all of these different fashion brands um, and also being like a customer that has a unique um, a platform that has a unique voice and perspective on the industry just because of the scale um, of uh, the platform and also the data that we have where well, we could start to say this is what we're seeing these are the trends that we're spotting these are the brands that are doing particularly well and these are the ones that are new and upcoming um, and we, you know, we organically launched it and then it has grown from there. And it is really exciting because, you know, now people do reach out to us to say like brand, you know, senior people at some of the big luxury brands will, will, you know, reach out to us to be, uh, to comment on the fact that they've been included or to ask us, you know, if there's anything else we can share with them about their position. Um, and it has become this, you know, barometer for like what's hot um in the industry and you know we're, it's it's super great piece of work to be part of yeah and it's really telling I think at one point like recently there were a lot of sneakers and now like I mentioned those Birkenstock Boston's like a clog or a mule yeah. like yay we're out of uh sporty <laughs> at leisure mode anyway it, it's so interesting you know we were t I was actually having that conversation this morning about how you know, it's the 1st of November and we are gearing up for holiday season and people want to dress up. And you know, the latest list index, you know, shows that, as you say, we are we are out of the sort of comfort dressing and 
glamour and maximalist dressing is coming back. Um, and I think we're all ready for it, right? We all, we all want to get dressed up again. <laughs> that time Absolutely. is coming. Absolutely. What are your expectations for a holiday? Are you already, uh, right now we're recording this November 1st, seeing holiday shopping ramp up, seeing some trends emerge? Yeah, we are seeing trends emerge. And I think it, look, I think it is a really interesting moment because of course, um, there are various costs of living crises happening around the world. A lot of people are affected. There's a lot of speculation about what our consumers going to do in this moment. You know, we're seeing, you know, probably unsurprising that luxury and premium are continuing to take more share and maybe at the sort of more fast fashion end, um, that's reducing. And I think that, you know, that's unsurprising. I think there's some interesting things around what will customers um, do with that discretionary spend in this moment because um, we we hear that people will be pulling back and, and I understand that. But, you know, some of the insights that I'm gathering suggest that maybe people aren't going to buy new cars or they might not go on a big vacation, but they might still dress up and buy themselves, uh, you know, a new pair of shoes or a dress for the part for parties or um, you know, those sorts of things. So I think it's going to be a really interesting moment. So I don't have a crystal ball, but I think we are going to see those treat gifting purchases continue. I think people are excited and still want to do those things. I think it's going to be continue to be more luxury leaning. For sure. Gosh, any other, I guess, um, expectations, I guess, moving forward, I'm hearing about, you know, it's not really a competition. It's Omnichannel, people are shopping anywhere and everywhere, but I hear, um, you know, a shift from online shopping to moving back to stores. Is that temporary or is, as people are excited to get back into the house? But um, anyway, what are your, I guess, what do you see as your competitors moving forward or um, your your opportunities in, in the year ahead? So I think, you know, you're right to call out the um, online, offline split. And I think those things should coexist, right? I think like, we love going into stores. We love seeing the products in real life, the touch and the feel. Um, but often, and maybe that's part of the inspiration journey, but often when you're really sort of hunting or you're obsessing about things or you want to discover things from all sorts of places at once, you might do that online. So I think there's a lovely like symbiosis of online, offline that should continue. Um, yeah, let me tell you about what I think about our opportunities. So I think, again, as I mentioned before, for us, we really want to focus, really focus on doing this one thing really well, which is creating this incredible customer experience for fashion shoppers. And I think we talk a lot about the other movements in the ecosystem and in the world, whether that's Web3 or crypto and, and all of these trends, which absolutely have a place and may have a place in this in the future. But for us, it's about really focusing and obsessing over giving the customer what they want when they're on their fashion journeys. And I think we are so set up to do that in the next couple of years. We have the best team we've ever had um, and we have the best partners, but we've, we've had the best partners for a while. And, and all the ingredients are there to, to really deliver on the stuff that we know our customer wants. And that really is our focus. Yes. What would you say about any interest in terms of we saw... Pinterest acquired the yes and all of these social platforms are trying to navigate the shopping opportunity and and go there and it's newer for them than it would be for you. Um, in terms of yes, are you open to the idea of 
I don't know, a merger acquisition, a partnership um, in some way that's next level to really, I don't know, are they competitors and you're doing your yeah. thing? Like when I think about competitors, I think about, you know, competitors for the the attention of our customer and what, what he or she is trying to do. So I can understand where those big platforms want to um, explore social commerce. I'm yet to see any of them do it um, do it really well. Doesn't mean they won't get there, but I think I think that's going to be an interesting battleground over the next couple of years to see if anyone can do it. You know, we we're always going to be open to interesting partnerships with the right partners that can help us deliver what we want for the customer. But it has to start there. It has to start on is this going to help our fashion shoppers you know, navigate the chaos, get those insider tips of what's new and what's hot, uh, get those alerts we talked about. Um, so we are always open, but we also need to stay focused on doing what we know we need to do. Right on. Well, we are all out of time. This was an awesome conversation. Emma, thank you for being here. Thank you. It's been a real pleasure. That's all for this episode. Our theme music is by Otis McDonald. If you liked this episode, be sure to share it with someone else you think would. Thanks for listening to the Glossy Podcast.